Welcome to the Infertility Stress Podcast, where we talk about how to care for your mind and your nervous system during your fertility treatment process so you can reduce your stress and anxiety and prevent fertility-related burnout. I'm Michelle Kapler, fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified reproductive specialist and feminist mindset coach, and you've got episode 60. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm excited for today because today is the first installment of a new series on the podcast called the Fertility Clinic Confidence Episodes. During this series of quick and easy digestible episodes, I'll be sharing bits of knowledge and questions to ask to help you feel more confident while navigating your fertility treatment process. This is the first episode of its kind, but if you're listening to this down the road and you want to find these episodes easily, they all start with FCC. So you can either search for them using the FCC acronym, or you can just scroll through the list of episodes and find it right in the title. So today we're going to go over some questions to ask your healthcare provider when you are offered a new treatment protocol during your fertility treatment process. This might mean moving from cycle monitoring and timed intercourse to adding some drugs to the mix. This might mean trying IUI in combination with your meds. This might mean moving from IUI to IVF, or it might mean incorporating donor eggs or sperm using a surrogate. I'm talking about any time during your fertility treatment process where it is suggested to you to add another intervention or to take a step up that ladder of intervention that you could possibly use during your fertility treatment process. It comes up on a regular basis, both in my clinical acupuncture practice and with my coaching clients, that their doctor or care provider will recommend next steps along their treatment process. And there are typically two reactions that I commonly see to this scenario. One, the person is confused and has no idea why it's time to move on to another level of intervention. And this often sounds something like, and then my nurse told me to just call with my day one and we can start my first IVF cycle. And I don't even know why IVF is on the table. And I didn't know that I was going to do IVF next cycle. And then the second reaction that I sometimes get is that the person is aware of the recommendation, but isn't completely on board with the doctor's recommendation. And this will often sound like, My doctor says that now is a good time to add medication, but I don't know why we can't just keep doing what we're doing. I'm not comfortable with the idea of taking drugs just yet, and I don't understand why they're making this recommendation. So today, I want to offer seven questions to ask your doctor that might help you gain the information that you need to make a confident and informed decision for your care. And by the way, no need to write these questions down. I've created a little PDF for you that you can download and print so you can make notes while you're having this conversation with your care provider. So if you hang on till the end of the episode, I will tell you exactly how to get that. So here are the questions. The first question is just simply, what is the reason for recommending this next step? And I know that this sounds pretty obvious that you'd want to ask this, but you'd be surprised how sometimes care providers can just overestimate a patient's knowledge of the process and the way it moves through things and the next logical step. They can sometimes just assume that you know why they might be recommending something. But this is a really important question to get clarity because 
you might have a certain idea of where things might go. And your doctor might have a legitimate medical reason or just a theoretical reason or what's been shown in the research to be effective for recommending moving up the ladder. Or conversely, you might find out that the reason is just simply that it's the clinic's protocol to do three medication cycles, then three IUI cycles, then you move on to IVF. But if that's not working for you, then you'll want to know that reason because if the reason doesn't align with your idea of how treatment should go, then you'll want to know that and you can have a conversation from there. The second question is, what are the risks and benefits of this next level of treatment? This is part of that basic ethical guideline that practitioners have to make sure that their patients fully understand the risks and benefits so they can make an informed choice for their care. So you want to know not just how it works, but also what are the reasons why it might be beneficial to do this next level of treatment? And what are the risks? What are the possible side effects? What are the negative things that can occur? Because all of that will go into making your decision in terms of whether or not you want to say yes to this next level of protocol. The third question is, what are the risks and benefits of sticking with my current treatment intervention for now? And that, again, is part of that very important idea of informed consent. So you not only need to know what the benefits are of going to the next level of your treatment, you also need to know, well, how would it benefit me to just hang on a little bit longer with what I'm doing? And that could be a wide variety of things. And it's important for your doctor to make sure that you know all of those things. And you also want to know, well, what are the risks of continuing to do the same thing? So I'll give you a clinical example. The drug called Clomid, which is often used to stimulate follicle growth to produce more eggs, which will make it more likely that you're able to get a fertilization. There are risks and side effects of continuing to stay on that drug cycle over cycle. So for example, one of the well-documented risks of being on Clomid, and I think the line is three cycles. So for longer than three cycles is that can it can actually start to create negative outcomes with the uterine lining. And so if your doctor is saying, yeah, it's time to move on from Clomid, and you're thinking, yeah, but Clomid is working and I'm getting follicles and they're growing, why would we change? You'd want your doctor to explain to you that there actually are risks of continuing to be on this medication for beyond whatever you've been on it. And that's just a really important piece of information that you'll need to know when making decisions for moving forward. Number four, what is the entire cost going to be for this next level of intervention? It seems, again, fairly obvious and pragmatic, but you do need to factor that in when making your decision. So sometimes things like moving to IUI or stronger medications or IVF or using a donor egg, it's quite easy for your physician to be able to say, yeah, it's time to do IVF and just know that that's the next logical step. But a really important consideration is, well, how much is this actually going to cost me financially? Because the trend tends to be that the more in-depth, the more involved the intervention is, as you kind of climb up these levels of intervention through your fertility treatment process, the more hidden costs there tend to be. So 
it might be things that are pretty obvious to your doctor because they talk about it day in and day out. But you'll want to know things like, okay, if you're recommending IVF, are you also going to recommend ICSI, which is where they inject the sperm into the egg? Or are you going to recommend genetic testing? Because that can be thousands of dollars extra. And you'll just want to know all of this up front while you're making your decision if that next level of intervention makes sense for you at this time. The fifth question is, how will I know if this treatment protocol is working? Now, there's the obvious (laughs) knowing of whether or not you're pregnant. And of course, that's really important. But also, we want to ask the doctor how they will determine if the treatment protocol is working using criteria that doesn't involve clinical pregnancy. So how are we going to measure the efficacy of a particular drug protocol? Are we looking at lining development? Are we looking at follicle development? Are we looking at the number of follicles? Are we looking at minimizing medication side effects? What are our parameters to know if we want to stick with this treatment protocol or change our minds along the way? because that's really important for you to know before you get into it. Number six, how long do you suggest that I try this intervention before we know it's time to move on to the next stage? Of course, we don't want to assume that every cycle that we're doing is going to be a failure. We want to go into it with the expectation that we're going to be successful. But like any good insurance policy, we want to just have it in the back of our minds what will occur if the worst outcome did come true. So what we want to know from our doctors is how long are we going to give this a try before we decide to go on to the next thing? So for example, if you're moving from Uh, medications that you take orally, maybe going on to injectable medications, you want to know how many cycles are we going to continue to do this new medication before we can decide that maybe it isn't the right intervention for us. And again, it's always a choice. You can always have a conversation along the way. You can always change your mind, but you'll want to know what to expect in terms of, well, we really need to give it three cycles to know if it's going to work, or we really need to do three embryo transfers to know if it's going to work, or we need to try a few rounds of this intervention to know if it's really going to be a good solution for you, because most of the time, we're just not going to know the answer to that question on the first cycle. So that's really important too. And then the final question, which I think is a question that a lot of people maybe don't feel comfortable to ask, but is a completely valid question, is are there any alternatives to this suggestion? Are there any other options? Your doctor or care provider is required to tell you all of the options that are on the table. So if something isn't sitting right with you or you don't understand why you're going to a particular level of intervention at this time, it's perfectly okay to ask if there are any alternatives because that's just good medical care, looking at creative solutions, looking at your individual picture and your individual body as opposed to just following a protocol. And so that's information that you'll also want to know. So I know that these questions might seem kind of obvious and basic, but they are important. In medical practice, like I was saying earlier, one of the basic tenets of ethical practice is obtaining that informed consent. As healthcare providers, it is our obligation to make sure that you, as the patient, is fully informed of what the treatment protocol is and what it will look like, 
what are the risks and benefits, and what are the other options? One of them, one of those other options being doing nothing at all, which is a completely valid choice. These questions are a good way to gain information that you will need to make that informed choice. Now, if your doctor doesn't automatically offer you all of this information, it doesn't mean that they're practicing negligently. There are lots of reasons why this might not have been part of the current discussion, but it is your right to ask for this information when you need and want it. And just to say, if you were listening to this at a time when you're about to make a change in your protocol, but you've already spoken to your doctor and given the go-ahead, but you haven't had time to ask these questions, it's perfectly okay to ask for another appointment or another conversation, even if it's just on the phone, so you can ask these questions and get the information that you need to feel confident going to that next stage of treatment. It could be with the doctor or even just one of the nurses on staff, but you deserve to have a full understanding of what's happening. So now I'm getting to that part where I talk about the worksheet. If you want to download that PDF that I've created with all of the questions and you can print it off, you can take it with you, you can make notes, or you can just use it as a prompt to ask the questions. You can find it in the Fertility Stress Relief Toolkit. To get access to that for free, you're just going to head to michellecathler.com forward slash toolkit. And you can also find that link in the show notes. And now I want to hear from you head on over to Instagram and find me at Michelle Kapler. Send me a DM and let me know if you found this helpful or if you think there might be a question that should be added to the list. And please spread the word. Take a screenshot of this episode, tag me in it on Instagram, and share it with the folks in your community who are going through their fertility treatment process so they can hear about these questions to get clarity too. That's it for me this week. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, you've got this, my friend. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast, you've got to check out the Pineapple Collective. It's my monthly group coaching membership where we take this work to the next level so you can learn to manage your mind and actually rewire your brain to reduce stress and anxiety and avoid emotional burnout during your fertility treatment process. Head to michellecapler.com forward slash pineapple to sign up today. I can't wait to see you in there.